Hello everyone, I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. We're supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. In this episode, I'm going to be interviewing Amanda Hall from Summit Nanotech. Amanda and I have a conversation about nanotechnology, how she got started in your company, and how amazing life can be when you check your ego at the door and take criticism for what it is. A little background about me, I was trained as a software developer and I've spent uh, my 20 plus years career doing software development, business analysis and project management along with other pursuits such as graphic design, photography, and of course, podcasts. So let's get started and have a chat with Amanda Hall. I'm Al Daldegan and I'm here with Amanda Hall. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, Al. <laughs> so Amanda, you ha- you're a very interesting guest from my perspective, because when I started this podcast uh, at the Rainforest events, uh, I've had like five people come up to me over the past, you know, couple months saying, oh, there's this lady I know, her name's Amanda Hall, you have to interview her. (laughs) And I'm like, I know Amanda, of course I'm going to interview her. She's like on the top of my list. Uh, So, uh, you know, I think um, you have really made an impact in, uh, in at least in, in Calgary. I'm sure it's a lot more because you have, oh, well, let's start here. Let's start with a little bit of background about who is Amanda. Absolutely. Uh, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> well, let's skip the embryo stage. Okay. <laughs> uh, just maybe um, very briefly tell us what kind of, what kind of kid you were and then, you know, what led you to the kind of path that you, the career path that you were on. Sure. So I was a very curious kid and curiosity is something you and I both really like in a person. So I'm definitely going to mention that. Um, I remember distinctly one day in grade three when the teacher, Mr. Hubbard, um, was saying to the whole entire class, you guys are all a bunch of morons. Nobody pays attention. No one tries. What? And then he turned in the middle of the class and said, except for you, Amanda. And every eye in that class turned and looked at me and I felt like such an outcast. <laughs> Way to get someone bullied. Eh? <laughs> Put a big target on me. But at that moment, I thought, huh, why in the world did he say that? And what is it about me and the way I interact with teachers or the way I perform in a classroom that would set me apart from everyone else? And I think academically, I've always succeeded and it hasn't been very difficult. Um, However, since I finished university, and I'm talking 12 years of university, I realized that I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And so coming out of school into the um, theater of life, is when I really started to learn and to understand um, that I am always more ignorant than I am wise. And I, I approach every, every challenge with that underlying concept that there's so much to learn before you make any decision. That's what, that's what true brilliance is, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure people on the show are wondering, you were in school for 12 years, what was the 
credentials? You, what's, what, what creds did you get <laughs> oh, after that? Too many. I was a very broad learner. So started off in biology, um, realized I didn't love it. So um, I ended up getting minors in physics and English as well. And then I did another whole BSc in geophysics. And that was my love. Um, but I really enjoyed quantum physics too. And that's why I ended up in the nanotechnology world. Uh, but I spent a lot of time in industry working as a geophysicist first and understanding um, really the practical side of physics. And then the new companies, I, I went from being a geophysicist, which is large scale physics, to a nanotechnology specialist, which is really quantum physics and small scale physics. So very interesting transition, but physics crosses over into those two realms really naturally. And it's it works the same in both in both um, landscapes, really. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I'm not um, a super uh, scientific kind of guy. I love it. Like I have a huge passion for it. And that's actually how you and I met. That's right. Because you were at a Rainforest event and you told me that, or you told the crowd that you were into nanotechnology and it just piqued my ears. And I walked over and I'm like, I have to meet you because I'm all over nanotechnology. I don't know a lot about it, but I find it so fascinating. Um, so from my limited knowledge, um, that when you move into the kind of the quantum physics realm, it's almost like the general laws of physics are sometimes broken or not quite what we thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't use the word broken. I would say they're enhanced. Oh. There's the, the um, particles and molecules uh, behave differently at that really small scale. And it's almost as if they have brains of their own. Uh, they self-assemble and they, um, the way they organize themselves is just a really uh, natural and phenomenal uh, action. I can't think of any other, any other way to say it. So for instance, when, when you're creating a nanomaterial, you literally just mix the ingredients in a bottle and pour it on top of a surface of water. And the molecules will all self-assemble and create this membrane that oh. is super strong like graphene is the strongest material on the planet and it is just it emulates nature so it's an incredibly interesting um, world to be in in the nanotech world so I, I can't believe i haven't understood that until this moment because i love nanotechnology <laughs> but, but you it, it's kind of brilliant that that happens that self-alignment and stuff because you it's hard, almost impossible to manipulate atoms at that oh, scale, right? Yeah, like you, can you can't get like a little pin and start pushing them around. No, you, you, you can observe them. Mm -hmm. And what blows my mind is there's a, there's a law in physics that says even by observing physics at that level or molecules at that level, you're changing them by observing them. So it's, it's almost scary to be an observer, but you don't control nanotechnology. It controls itself. And so some people return, uh, some people, um, call it, uh, intelligent materials, but they don't actually think they just arrange themselves in a way that's very coherent. That, that's so, uh, I don't know. It's so fascinating to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that we're friends because it's like <laughs> something that we could, every time we get together, I'm going to be picking you your brain something about new. Something. I learn something new every day in this field too. It, it blows my mind. So. Oh, that's cool. Um, well, so we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff, but what I'd like to talk about is a little bit about um, your company, which is called Summit Nanotech. Mm -hmm. And maybe you could 
kind of give us an idea of where that started and 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 then maybe mo- we can move a little bit into what you're currently doing sure and then i'd love you to touch a little bit on this uh, women in clean tech challenge sure <laughs> so summit nanotech uh every calgarian knows why our hearts are in the mountains so when we were choosing the company name it just seemed really logical to to put mountains in our symbol and our logo and, and refer to that moment when you're at the top of a mountain, and anyone who's climbed a, mo- a mountain knows exactly what I mean, when you're standing on the summit, and you just look out and it, you feel at the exact same time insignificant, but so significant. Okay. <laughs> it's the most bizarre. Accomplished. Yes, yeah. yes. It, it just, it, it's such an amazing feeling. And so getting to the summit of any mountain is, um, it's an endeavor for most people. And I mean that metaphorically, of course, but we also know that before you can even start the climb, you spend a lot of time in the trees trying to figure stuff out. Am I allowed to swear, by the way? Sure, go for it. <laughs> trying I'll to figure shit out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, like getting to the summit means getting through the trees uh, in a very um, wise way and then the uphill grind. And that is not easy. So. We're somewhere in the middle of the mountain right now, I think, with our company. Maybe even bottom of the mountain, but, <laughs> but we're heading for the summit. <laughs> so, uh, so it's eight months old, the company, and there's five of us, two physicists, three engineers, and we're all science geeks. So I'm really grateful for the Women in Clean Tech Challenge because what they have done is they've taken me as a science geek and they're, te- they're teaching me how to be a CEO and how to run the company. And so I've been in this incubator for about six months now, and I didn't even know what I didn't know. So it was really an incredible experience learning about what my value proposition is and what my revenue forecast is and what my business model is and words I'd never even heard of. <laughs> so, uh, so really grateful for this opportunity. So the Women in Clean Tech Challenge was something I, I didn't even have it on my radar really, until one day I got three emails from three different people and they, all three emails said, you have to apply for this. And there was a link and it was the Women in Clean Tech Challenge. And I, I hadn't even heard of it. So I checked it out and I, and I was like, oh gosh, I'm not going to move to Toronto. I don't know what this is all about, but you know, life's full of opportunities. And if you don't try, you'll regret. Yeah. So I've always, I've always thought that too. So I thought I'll just do my best. I filled in the application very honestly and very openly. The video was a lot of fun to make. They asked for a little one minute video uh, describing you and where you came from and what your company does. And so I had a lot of fun putting that together. And I honestly think the video was the clincher for us um, because I wanted to emphasize to them that we were following a passion by building this company. It wasn't about power or money or recognition. It was about um, being on the road to change in in an industry that we felt a lot of respect for. And so the oil and gas industry, my co-founder and I are both oil and gas, ex-oil and gassers, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) but by choice, not, well, my co-founder was laid off from Nexon, but I chose to leave the oil and gas industry. And uh, it was a difficult decision because you step out of stability and into the unknown. Um, but well, in this case, you probably would have ended up on, uh, getting laid off anyways, based on the way things are going right now. Possibly. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah, it's been a bad couple of years for well, maybe not even a couple five to 10 years for everybody 
in the oil patch. So, um, but because we came from the oil patch and we learned so much from that, um, from the, the experience there, we both have a lot of respect for, for that place and, and the goal to bring energy to people. And so our vision is to just continue down that path of energy um, creation, but instead of using oil, we're, we're looking at the lithium space. So bringing lithium responsibly out of the ground in a very green way and incorporate, incorporating it into the most new age tech batteries possible. So making the efficiency and the greenness um, number one priorities. Interesting. So is the, is the overall result of, um, of, of this process you're developing um, better batteries? Not yet. That is phase two of Summit Nanotech. Oh, <laughs> but interesting. Phase one is to make the extraction process better. So not, not a lot of people know this, and electric vehicle drivers hate me for saying it, but when you make an electric vehicle, typically you produce 68% more greenhouse gases than if you were making a combustion engine vehicle. So it's, and, and the large part of that is because of the batteries. So getting battery, getting lithium out of the ground is one of the most archaic mining processes we have on this planet. And it's, uh, it needs to be improved big time. It needs, it's begging for new technology and it's begging for a, a higher yields and lower operation costs and just an all around facelift because it, it desperately needs it. So that's where we're stepping in. We're, we're cleaning up the process and we're making it um, a lot more efficient and effective and greener. And we're using nanoscience to do that. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's really, really cool. And so at this phase right now, um, you're at the point where you're still working on the, uh, on the theory. And you had mentioned to me earlier that you had been, probably because of the Women in Clean Tech Challenge uh, guidance, you were also talking to some potential or companies or clients that what their pain points were. Do you want to yes. address that a little oh, bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So one that's, of the, I think, such a cool idea. It is. And so when we first came up with the idea to use nanoscience to extract lithium, of course, we had a certain process in mind. And we thought we were doing uh, what our customers, our potential customers would want. But through the Women in Clean Tech program, um, they forced us, <laughs> the incubator program forced me to interview potential customers and ask them specifically what their pain points are, what their challenges are, um, and really validation of my assumptions. And so I went into every interview with a set of assumptions, and it was up to me to try to tease that information out of the customers who were a little bit skeptical about why are you calling and what do you want and are you a competitor? Um, but once I get them talking, of course, they feel comfortable. And, and I say right from the beginning, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want I want to understand your your challenges so that I can design my technology to meet those challenges. And so through the process of interviewing lithium miners, I was able to discover um, exactly what it was they needed and, and be able to rank what their challenges are so that I could design my technology to meet those challenges and improve on the system in those specific ways. And in doing so, I ended up with clients lined up before I even have my product built. So How exciting. it's very cool. So lots of companies are interested in watching and want to come to the lab and be part of the design phase even like 
And wow, part what of a it. great opportunity for you to fine tune the product and make it even better. Yes. So it's, it's a much more intelligent design and it's a much more um, practical design than what I had originally had in my mind. And I was saying to you earlier, Al, that it's been a, it's been a, le- a breathing, growing concept from, from day one. So what I had originally designed in my mind is nothing at all what it looks like today, but it's way better. Nice. <laughs> it's way cooler. That's awesome. Yeah. How exciting. Um, now, I want to also, because this is the Rainforest podcast, mm-hmm. I want to talk about, um, now we, we met through the Rainforest, so that's a little great win right there. But yes. um, why don't you tell me about what brought you there? How did you hear about it? And as you've been involved with the Rainforest, what sorts of things, what sort of benefits have you um, both, you know, provided and, and received? Yeah. So my friend, Steve Aveda was the first one to introduce me to Rainforest and he's an Aboriginal engineer and we were taking the same leadership classes together for years. We were in leadership classes together and I really, I really admire Steve. And he said, Hey, you should check out this cool new community that's just growing in Calgary. And he gave me a little blurb about, um, what it was all about. And he said, there's this weird social contract you have to sign. <laughs> and so when I went online and read the social contract, it really touched my heart. And uh, I, I hesitated before I signed it because I, I really wanted to be authentic in, in signing it and to, because I wanted to be able to be the person that could deliver what I was saying I wanted to deliver to this community. And then likewise, be vulnerable enough and transparent enough to accept whatever other people were willing to offer me. And so um, I took the contract very seriously. (laughs) And uh, my first day when I showed up, um, I thought it was just the weirdest place ever, (laughs) to be honest. Everyone just seems to trust one another. And that's bizarre when you're coming from the oil and gas industry where you really, you just question everything. You know, like when I get a field result from a field worker, half the time I don't believe they did their job right. I think, you know, Maybe it was cold that day and they didn't get out of the, tr- the truck and check that value on that valve. Like maybe they made it up. And so there's like, there's always this nig- niggly kind of um, skepticism in, in the data you're receiving and, and distrust. Um, but in the rainforest, it's like complete, all that melts away and you just completely trust everyone in the room. So it was really cool. It's a weird feeling. It is. I, uh, myself, I went to the rainforest once and I was like, is this for real? and I've been trying I can't always make it but I've been trying to go every single week good for you and um, I'm so passionate about it now that I've started this podcast and I really want people to understand how valuable this this organization is for Mm -hmm. everyone Um, and so you've attended more than once and a few times yeah what kind of people have you met there I wish I could go more my calendar is just so so busy but um all walks of life, all branches of business are showing up there. It's really cool. And so I was telling you earlier that two of the five um, engineers, sorry, two of the three engineers in my company, so two of five of us total, came from the rainforest. And I I saw them both present up at the front of the room. And I really liked them from the outset. And then we got to talking afterwards, after the, the day was over. And uh and then we carried that conversation into a coffee date, and then we carried the conversation into how they could join the company and what they could do, and they have been just amazing, um, amazing additions to the company, and just really, really great people, um, right to the core. Like 
like, that's perfect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, right yeah. deep down to yeah, the core yeah. good people. And I just love that about, about them and about, and where they came from. It's just, it's like plucking flowers out of a patch. It's just, they're beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, uh, with summit nanotech, what's, what's the future looking like from your perspective? Oh, that's a good question. So we've got a good, um, probably two more years of, of behind the scenes work going on. So right now we're in the, we're, we're kind of done our R and D phase and now we're into the prototype building phase. And then we have to spend a whole year, um, upscaling before our technology is ready for the field. Um, but in that time period, I'm going to have to start reaching out for more uh, expertise and, and more wise people to come in and help me figure this out. Uh, I, I hope that this is, I shouldn't say hope. I know this is going to work. I know that I won't fail, but I also know that that won't be something I do by myself. Collaboration is absolutely key and bringing in wise, smart people from, whether it's from rainforest or other, other places where I meet people, uh, I'm really open to having other people inform the process and inform the the technology because then it's only better. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. And, um, you know, from, from my perspective, watching you from the first time we met till now, um, you just seem to be doing everything right, or at least really close to that. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, you don't have this massive ego. You, you're just this humble person who is so (laughs) curious and so fun and just wants things to happen. And I think people just naturally magnetically are attracted to you and they just want to help out in some way or another. You were saying that, uh, you know, people are already telling you that they, they want to get involved, uh, mm-hmm. you know, almost constantly. <laughs> yes. And so yes. I guess that's got to give you a, a pretty good confidence boost. It is. It's really great. I wish I was saying this to you earlier. I wish that I could hire every single person that shows that their heart and soul is on this path with me. Um, Cause I, I consider it a frontier that we're, we're on. Uh, we're, we're entering into space that not a lot of, um, industry people or scientists have gone before. And I know that sounds corny, but, um, it's just change is hard. And, and so to be on that frontier of change is, uh, it requires a lot of support. And so I would love to be able to hire everyone I meet, but I can't because we don't have enough funding. Uh, so for now I'm just accepting in-kind contributions. And, uh, one, one girl who I met, did I meet her through the rainforest? You know, I think she might have come from the rainforest too. She's not part of our company yet, but what she's doing is she says, she's saying to me, I just want the experience of working with you. And then if I could put that on my resume, then it's a win-win. You get to, she's a geochemist and, and she's got lots of lab tech experience. So she's really great, making a great contribution to the company, but I'm not paying her. I'm not giving her shares. I'm just giving her experience and that's all she wants right now. So that's nice. It's just this really neat bartering system almost. (laughs) Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be cool if uh, a lot more things like in companies and stuff work that way? Like, I mean, it's probably not super realistic for the general world because everybody still has to go to Safeway and buy stuff or whatever. But, um, you know, what if, companies started working together where they spend, you know, some of their time working for their clients and making money and some of their times contributing to a greater goal. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be crazy? It would. And you know, my dad is a dentist and you, 
it's strange to say, but he used to barter all the time. He would do dental work in exchange for um, services like come shovel my driveway or come fix my plumbing. Or one day someone just showed up with a big old basket of vegetables and he fixed their teeth. So I grew up with that mentality of if you don't have the money to do something, then offer something else. And, and, and uh, yeah, so he really uh, kindled that spirit in me of collaboration and helping whether you get something back or not, just always give first. Right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's such a great way to live. I mean, whenever somebody does something and they're expecting something in return, that's just the wrong place to come from. Right. But when you genuinely want to be there and you genuinely, genuinely want to help, it's just so weird how everything turns around and becomes, you know, like full circle. All always happens, you know? Yes. I just learned a new term yesterday. Actually, I was at the energy executives um, event and they discussed uh, how cool it was to reverse mentor. Uh And I was like, what is that? And they said, it's when you're mentoring these younger, this young generation of, of professionals, but what's really happening is they're mentoring you. <laughs> so, and it's, it's so true. Every coffee date I have, every meeting I have with someone, even just to talk about nanotechnology in general, I always end up learning something from them. And I just love that part. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so I wonder what, um, what other things are your, is your company look maybe long, obviously a long, long way down the road. Cause you've got a very big focus now and it's going to take, like you said, two or three years to really get anywhere. Yeah. Do you, do you already have a couple other ideas that you're kind of chewing on right now? Oh or? yeah. It's like an avalanche of ideas. Oh <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, I'm holding them back cause it's, I want to, and my advisory board um, tells me all the time not to get distracted by shiny thoughts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff on the back burner. The back burner is getting pretty hot. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but, I bet. Yeah, so once we once we get this lithium extraction process um, underway, and and I imagine we'll I imagine we'll end up selling the company, which I, I've never really felt comfortable with that concept. But at the same time, if you can perfect something and then hand it off to someone who can run with it and and make it a global impact, um, opportunity, then it frees me and my team up to think of the next, the next cool thing that we can bring to the forefront. Right. And so, um, that's kind of the plan right now is uh, probably five to 10 years down the road. Um, we'll keep the back burner simmering of course, with ideas. And maybe if we get some enough funding, we can start bringing people in to help bring those simmering uh, pots, um, to life a little bit. Um, but I can see us selling the lithium extraction process to some other big company and then moving on to something else. That's really cool. So. Well, you'd be selling the IP, not the company, because you want to keep that name. That's a rockin' name, right? It is a rockin' name. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. And it is such an umbrella type name. So um, my vision is to have daughter companies under the Summit Nanotech umbrella. That makes sense. And then if those need to be sold or maybe we just kind of spin them off into their own little entity and then keep going with something else. So, Well, that's true. You could get, you know, good leaders to take it and run with it so that you're just kind of overseeing it on a high level. Right. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. And that's one of the key um, hiring protocols we have for our company is we want a company full of leaders. And so you, you have to have an entrepreneurial mind to join our company. And, and by that, I mean, 
not be afraid of risk, not um, succumb to the status quo of the day-to-day ho-hum. Like we are all over the map. (laughs) You have to be okay with that. And you have to be able to not fall in love with ideas and drop them and pivot as fast as you need to. And so it's a totally different mentality than some people are used to. And not everyone's comfortable with that uh, kind of organized chaos type type company. But mm-hmm. that's who we are right now. <laughs> well, it's working for you. So uh, <laughs> why uh, why change too much? <laughs> and I like you were tell- telling me a little bit about your com- company culture. And I think I would love for you to address that. Um, I think that was that was just warmed my heart. So tell us a little bit about that. So we have a lab in the southeast, but it's a little bit chilly, and uh, it's it's just cold this time of year because it's actually it's connected to a warehouse. So we end up usually having team meetings at my house, and we sit around my kitchen table. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> And usually my instrumentation engineer will jump up and play the piano and we, we all just kind of chill out. There's a lot of laughing that goes on, um, sometimes too much, <laughs> too much laughing. And then when we finally settle into um, the, the meeting, we always start with gratitude and everyone, we, I force everyone around the table to tell me what they're grateful for today and in this moment and if, my, my nanotechnology expert <laughs> hates this. He rolls his eyes, but I think he secretly loves it too. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he always has really great things that he's grateful for. But just the exercise of, um, of expressing gratitude before we even begin our meeting, I think, is a really good place to start off from. And uh, inevitably, I'm very grateful for everyone sitting at the table with me and what they contribute and for the vision that we all have going forward. And so, and then our next um, item up for discussion is we call it the leadership minute. And what I do is I take um, concepts or maps or um, uh, learnings from the leadership class that I'm in and I bring it to my team and I teach them how to be leaders and, and how to make decisions like a leader does. And so, because I want a company of leaders, so why wouldn't I share that knowledge with them? That and makes a lot of sense. It's really cool. Yeah. A lot of sense. Um, now, the science behind um, nanotechnology in general, as you talked about, um, you know, mixing things and, and letting them form, um, what, other, what other aspects of nanotechnology do you see um, as being big game changers? Because... From what, from listening to you to talk, listening to you talk, sorry, I'm having trout mumbles. Um, you are, it feels to me like you're kind of on the edge of sort of like the invention of the microchip where mm-hmm. once it's finally happened and, and it's, it's a proven thing, everybody takes that and then builds on that and does and takes that and uses it into something else. And it seems like you're, you're kind of there where yeah. when this happens, Everybody's going to be like, oh, that's how you do it. And <laughs> that kind of thing. So. Yeah, there's still there's still a lot of fear in the nanotech space. Um, I think about 20 years ago, nanotechnology kind of came to the forefront. And there was a lot of misperception about, misconception, is that the right word? About how uh, safe it was. Because nanoparticles are so small that if they are in a powder form and you inhale them, they can damage your lungs. But we don't run around sprinkling nanoparticles in the, in space. So that's not going to happen. Um, but I think now they're not as scary for a lot of people. And so they're being incorporated more into, uh, everyday things like even clothing, like 
Um, and I, I heard the other day about a baby monitor that a, a mom will strap onto her stomach and the sensor, which is a nanotechnology type sensor, uh, alerts the mom to when the babe, baby's movement is happening or uh, temperature and pressure changes. I don't know. Oh, like It's like a baby monitor, but yeah. it's made with nanotech sensors. So That's really interesting. And they're putting sensor technology in clothing as well so you can monitor your, your heart rate and your... Um, your vitals, I guess, in some weird way. I'm not sure how that works, but you're wearing a Fitbit but not on your wrist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and same with um, backcountry safety. Like a lot of ski jackets now have uh, embedded nanomaterials in them that will alert someone to where you are if you're buried under the snow. Like you can, oh, wow. you can find them. So a lot of really cool applications of nanotechnology. Uh, and not that's not even touching on the like that's the tip of the iceberg with um, computer boards are all nanotech kind of creations and so the way that those are being constructed these days is really fascinating too so that's a whole other world of nanotechnology that I don't even know how to no, get into no. <laughs> so so I'm going to ask a question because you're the perfect person to ask and it may end up being a really dumb question but okay. I'm a bit of a science fiction guy but um I have this this theory in my head or this fantasy maybe in my head where you have this, you know, different substances like the, the elements, carbon and, and helium and lithium, beryllium and all that. And they're all in some sort of container of some sort. And then ultimately, maybe a long, long way down the road, there'll be some sort of machine that can pull the different particles out and assemble them together. And if that ever did happen, um, you think of the way 3D printing is going nowadays. If a 3D printer was was actually able to use atoms instead of yeah. you know strips of plastic or whatever, you would literally wouldn't you literally be able to create anything? Yes, like literally anything. And, and, and is that feasible? Or I'll am blow, I just? I'll blow your mind. It already exists. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's like a it's like a dot. A dot matrix printer of atoms it exists <laughs> so, no yeah, way yeah okay cool they have so, one at the university of alberta nanotechnology lab there yeah it's like an atomic printer it's and what so are they cool. doing with it they're making computer boards <laughs> so that's crazy yeah. <laughs> and other materials it's it's how they create like earlier i said that nanotechnology nanotechnology really is the self-assembly of atoms but there is another sector of a nanotechnology that is manipulating the atoms by using these 3D printing type machines, but at the atomic scale where they're literally putting down atom one, atoms one by one. And it's, wow. it blows my mind. It's really cool. Okay, so the science fiction Star Trek fan in me is thinking <laughs> about the replicators. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if this became perfected, that would be essentially that, right? Like yeah. maybe you wouldn't you know, Earl Grey tea hot or something, <laughs> but you might say like you, you may need um, some sort of medical device or something and then, you know, boom, it's, yeah. it's sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. And there are uh, 3d printers that the, the feed in the feeding in material is uh, it's a graphene based carbon. So, and it's the same thing as you're saying, really, like you can create any 3d object you want and it's just a, an array of carbon molecules attached together. So I've heard about 3D printing food someday, but I don't know if they're... Well, they have chocolate ones. I know Do that. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That'd be cool. <laughs> you can never go wrong with chocolate, no, though. So. of course not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so I think um, I wanted to ask you kind of like one last question, and that's unless I think of another question. But uh, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you would be, uh, you think that you'd love to be able to tell people that I maybe should have touched on? Just that um, the exercise of switching my discipline from geophysics, which was the thing I was educated and trained to do in industry and what I was labeled as, as my expertise, the exercise of, of allowing myself to think in a different world. Um, it was easy. And I don't know if everyone knows this or not, but I was literally on New Year's Day talking with a friend about New Year's resolutions. And I said, yeah, everyone always wants their, um, oh no, sorry, it wasn't resolutions, it was a bucket list. Mm-hmm. It was like, what's your bucket list? And everyone always picks locations that they want to go as their bucket list. And I was like, meh, I'm, I'm not interested in that. What I, what's on my bucket list is I want to open up my mind and think more broadly because I felt really siloed and specialized in my field. And just by giving myself that permission, it was almost like I flipped a switch and I was able to start looking at problems differently and allowing myself the um, the muddling process of figuring stuff out. And the first time I read a nanotechnology paper, I couldn't understand it, but I read it again and I understood a little bit more. And then I read it again and I got a little bit more and I just kept reading the same paper over and over again until every word made sense to me. And when I came to a word I didn't understand, I'd look it up. But um, ultimately I did that I read one paper and until I understood it. And then I read another one until I understood it. And pretty soon every paper I read made sense. And, but it was not, that process isn't easy of learning something new, but giving yourself permission to learn something new is an easy thing to do. It's just like flipping a switch. So you just have to get over the fear first. Yeah. Fearlessness. It takes fearlessness. And I think as a geophysicist, that's something they train you to be is fearless and it's because you're dealing with um, pinpointing locations to drill six million dollar wells, and you have to just trust your knowledge. Oh, trust wow, your yeah. yeah. And it's like you you have to have an element of fearlessness and trust yourself and your abilities to come up with the right answers. So, so I brought that into the nanotechnology world too, where it's like, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes, and yeah, I'm going to hit dry holes sometimes, but I'm going to trust myself as much as I can first. And and then, yeah, that's so smart. Learn from mistakes. <laughs> yeah, learn from mistakes and mm-hmm. check your ego at the door. I guess. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of people in this world where if, if they just stopped with the ego, oh yeah, and just open their mind and listen to somebody else and just take constructive criticism, wow, their life would be transformed. And all, everybody's yes. so hung up on their ego. All criticism yeah. is good, yeah. and it doesn't matter who it's coming from or what their, um, what their motivation is for giving you that criticism, but all criticism is good and you yeah. can take it. And, uh, I, I have an ex-husband and even his criticisms <laughs> towards me, I, there's truth, there's truth in it. And you have to self-examine and you have to learn from your mistakes and always, always, always try to get better. I like that. Yes. I like that. The only thing I'm going to add to that is somebody, uh, sometimes people project their own problems 
on other people. Ugh. So you have to Those be able messy. to weigh it. You have <laughs> yeah. to be able to weigh it to determine whether it is constructive criticism for you or if they're just um, saying something in a mirror that they should be true. paying attention to. Themselves. That is true. You have to sort through the mess first yeah. and find the golden truth yeah. that's in yeah. there. Yeah. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds like a great point to end on. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this show with me. And uh, I'm really honored to be here with you. And um, I, I look forward to our future uh, time together and talking about nanotechnology. And, <laughs> and I can't wait to see what happens next in Summit Nanotech. I'm the definitely your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And, um, uh, I'm Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Okay. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-source, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social-barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This podcast was made possible by a generous contribution from Zinc Ventures and is hosted by volunteers from Rainforest Alberta. Music for the show was created by King Auroras. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.